0: Our scripture reading today is John 15, verses 1 through 17. And our message today is entitled, The Vine and the Branches Love One Another. This is the Lord's Word. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. May the Lord bless us all in the reading of his word. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see brothers and sisters sitting together to worship our God. It's good to see the the new Emory students, and your search for a church and a search for a place to call home. We hope that you enjoy this time of worship, that God would speak to you, that God would lift you up and show you his, his infinite love, and that you may leave here knowing that your God loves you. Our passage today we is the third our sermon today is the third of four sermons on John 15 John 15, 1 through 17 We're looking at this passage to see what it is God is doing for his people and what it is that we as his people must do to worship him in response We've already seen that that God is saying that Jesus is the vine he's the vine dresser that he, out of his grace and out of his mercy, chose us or or plucked us out from these vines that just grow into weeds, these vines that that grow into destruction and has ingrafted us into the vine of Jesus himself, that we are totally separate from the world now, that God has called us clean, called us pure because of the word that he's given us. For all of us who who know Jesus Christ, or better yet, who is known by Christ himself, whose hearts start to beat and palpitate all the more at the sound of his name, who rejoices when his name is magnified and glorified, who sticks out their chest as as proud people when the name of, of Jesus is proclaimed, Whose beauty, mark of beauty, is, is all that you want to see and rejoice in. The truth of who Christ is. You yourself understand and know that when God chose you and, and placed you with Christ, that is not you who chose him, but it's he who chose you. For all of us here in in our generation, we're very introspective people. We've been taught in this world to think about ourselves and to think about our hearts and to think deeply about who we are and think deeply about the the things that we lack and and the things that this world lacks. And we become pessimists very quickly in this world. And so we're good at looking at our sins. We're good at looking at the brokenness of our lives and the brokenness of this world. And yet, even in the midst of all that, in the midst of that, we, we start to realize there's no way I could choose such a beautiful God who loved me that much. But God chose me in my brokenness, in my willful sinfulness. And I am His. We remember that last week we talked about the fact that we need, to be, we need to bear fruit as Christians. That the order isn't act like a Christian so that you can be a Christian. The, the order is you are a Christian, therefore act like a Christian. It's the clarity of knowing who you are that allows you to bear fruit. You don't simply try to bear fruit in order to prove that you are something. When God calls you, you bear fruit to the Lord by remaining in him. And this fruit blossoms and grows. And this fruit that that you bear has no resemblance to the fruit of this world. We are not people happy simply over circumstances. We are not people who are joyful simply when God gives us blessings. We are joyful and happy in the Lord simply because we've been called by the Lord. And God wants us to bear fruit in keeping with being a Christian. Last week, we looked at the fact that, that one of the fruits that we bear that is, that, is, that is really distinct from this world is the fruit of repentance and faith. That we come to the Lord with, with our hands full of sin. And as we bring it to the Lord, Our thoughts aren't aren't simply here. Jesus, take it, and you let go of it and let him forgive you and walk away. But we who've been engrafted into Jesus, who know the, the, the deepness of our sins, we come to God grasping our sins before the Lord and in tears saying, God, I can't let go. And by God, by his grace and his mercy, still forgives us when we can't let go. And then God, God, by his grace and mercy, in his time, allows us to slowly release it as we see his power and his love is not conditioned upon us letting it go, but as letting letting it go is simply a product of his love for us. The world looks at that and says, what are you talking about? The world wants to tame Jesus and tame Christianity and say, the fruits of Christianity is just be nice, be happy, love one another. Have a good life. But we know that those words, those terms, every religion, every philosophy will tell you to do. the fruit of repentance, of needing God to forgive you, of needing God to love you, and knowing that God alone can help you to release your sins, it's foreign. That's the God that we worship. That's the Jesus that we know. That's to Jesus of Scripture. Now, in our passages today, it talks about bearing fruit. And as we look closer to this passage, we see that Jesus commands us, if you want to bear fruit, you must keep my commandments. And you might look at that and go, I don't like this. Right? We are, we are, by nature, lawless people. You tell us to do something, we'll do the opposite. If you tell us the speed limit is 65, we're not going 65, we're going at least 70. If you tell me, do not touch this, you will go and touch this. If I tell you, you know, listen, you know, don't leave that, don't leave by that door. You, you'll leave by that door. We, we are lawless people. We believe that laws are there simply to restrict us. Laws are there to really prevent us sort of from, from reaching our goals or to, for doing what we want, for restricting our freedoms. But when Jesus says here many, many times, if you want to abide in me, if you want to love me, keep my commandments, keep my commandments, you have to realize something. God's commandments is a simply reflection of his character. Commandments and character or commandments and personality are the same thing. Let me say that again the rules or the laws or the commandments that God has is simply the reflection of who he is, his character as a person. If you're trying to explain to me who is, let me, let me pick on someone. If you try to explain to me who is Pastor Young, you can't explain who I am, who I deeply am without talking about what I enjoy, what I don't enjoy. What I like and what I don't like. Where I believe is righteous, what's not righteous, where I believe is fair and what I believe is unfair. It's part of my character, it's part of who I am. For those of you who are married, you understand this. You understand there's some ways that your 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 wife or your husband enjoys their meal. You understand when they're hungry that they get angry. You understand that if you send flowers, they rejoice. You understand if you give them money, they rejoice even more. Whatever it may be. We understand it from a human perspective. But can you imagine, what does it mean to love God? God doesn't have preferences. God is holy. God is transcendent. God is God. His preferences aren't preferences. His preferences are laws. They're perfect. They're infinite. And so when God says in the Ten Commandments, you know, you need to have no other gods before me. We don't go and go, oh, you know what? I'm gonna have a- I just want another God. No, we're like, this is who God is. I want to worship a God who is so powerful that no other God compares. That's the God I want to... That's the God who he is. That's who he is. That's his character. I want to worship a God who believes that stealing is wrong because stealing is wrong. But according to God, God made all things, gave all things. We're not to take from other people. That's who God is. It's his character. And so when Jesus says here, you know, abide in me by, by keeping my commands, What he's saying to us is, listen, if you want to really show your love for me, then love me for who I am. Love me not according to who you think I am. Love me according to who I am. These laws are not here to prevent you from seeing me. These laws are here from allowing you to see me. They help you to see who I am. They encourage you to see who I am. And so for us, when we we hear love, we've got to get it out of our minds that this is restrictive. We've got to get it out of our minds that, that this means that we can't have fun, that we can't enjoy life. No, it means that we get to know God more. And so if you abide in Jesus, if you know who Jesus is, if you want to bear fruit, love him. What does that look like? Honor his character what does that look like keep his commands all the same thing now what's beautiful about this passage though is what it is that Jesus talks about in terms of, in terms of what he believes his disciples need to hear okay. so he's trying to say to the people listen You who say that you know Jesus, I want you to bear fruit. I want you, and this is next week's sermon, I want you to have joy immeasurable. I want you to have joy immeasurable. I want the world to know that I have sent my son. And that through him is salvation for all those who believe what is the greatest commandment I can give them? What is it that I can say to them that will allow them to see that they're bearing fruit and so that they know that they're abiding, so that they know that they've been engrafted into the true vine, that they themselves can have assurance that they do know who Jesus is? Some of you may think, well, the greatest command, the commandment must be what? Go to church more. Pray more. Read scripture more. And those are all good things. And those are all commanded by our Lord. You could even think that maybe it's love God more. And that's a good thing too. But Jesus says something very different. He says, in order for you to really bear fruit... And for you to know that you know Jesus, He tells His disciples, "You must love one another." That this this blows my mind. Like I said, I, I would would thought that if you want to prove that you are my disciples, go and fight for fight for fight for social justice. Go and tell the gospel. Go and be a missionary. Uh, go meet and a pastor. Uh, go stand on the corners of any city block and, and and preach the gospel from there. But Jesus instead looks to the second part of the greatest commandment, right? He teaches us in the gospel. The greatest commandment is to love the Father, love God, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and your mind, and, and, and to love one another. The reason I believe that he didn't touch on the first part was because in the Gospel of John, they're with Jesus 24-7. They've been loved by Jesus 24-7. And they've loved Jesus 24-7. But Jesus saw something different. He knew that he was going to go away and send the Holy Spirit down. And he knew that amongst his disciples, there was fragmentation, believe it or not. This wasn't, this wasn't a band of happy brothers. We know that John and Peter had sort of a, a little spad about who loves me, who, who does Jesus love more, you know, me or this other guy, John. You know, they, were, they were fighting over that. We knew that Judas Iscariot was going to betray Jesus and yet everyone else in between. They weren't 12 apostles who are happily and merrily on their way. So Jesus said to them very succinctly, if you want to show that you are in me, you must love one another. And so this commandment comes down to us. And the question is very simple. Christ Covenant Presbyterian Church, especially those who are members, do you love one another? Do you seek each other's highest good that they may come to know Christ more and more? Do you, in your speech and in your actions, show grace and show mercy? do you have it as your goal in life as a member of this church to help each other to repent and to walk in faith? Community is simple, but we sabotage community in many ways. I think the, the, the biggest, the, the largest, uh, the, the most difficult thing for all of us is, and, and Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, I, I, there's a quote here that I'll, I'll read a little bit later, but, but he says it pretty succinctly, the fact that the, the biggest detriment to the Christian church is that we idealize community too much. And listen to what he says here, and I think he's, I think he's talking to us. He says, those who love their dream of Christian community more than they love the Christian community itself become destroyers of that Christian community. Even though their personal intentions may be ever so honest, earnest, and sacrificial, God hates this wishful dreaming because it makes the dreamer proud and pretentious. Those who dream of this idolized community that it be fulfilled by God, by others, and by themselves. They enter the community of Christians with their demands set up by their own law and judge one another and God accordingly. It is not we who build, but Christ builds the church. And we see this in our community in Christendom today. We see when people go and look for churches, and you ask them, what do you look for in the church? And they say, I want a community. I want a community. And then you follow up on that. Well, what does that, that community look like? Or what, what does Scripture talk about that community? And you go, well, I don't know. I'm just somewhere where I feel like I belong. Or somewhere where I feel like I'm loved somewhere I feel like it jives with me. And when I hear that as a pastor, just just bells and whistles go off. Because if you don't know what community, a Christian community should look like, and your answer is sort of vague, you will look for a community, just like Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, something that fits you and your heart. And instead of letting scripture in a church, the way God wants it to be, sort of impact you and grow you, you start to be the one who starts to judge a church according to what you want that community to be like for you. This is legalism. We often think of legalism as just, well, here am I with my brother here, and, you know, he, he drinks alcohol too much, and, you know, you shame on you, Christian. You know, well, well you came to church late, shame on you. But there's a greater legalism that we, that we all do, and that's the legalism of community. So when we look at the community and we say to ourselves, this is what a community should look like. I need to have these things checked off. And boy, if these things aren't checked off, then there's something wrong with this community. And I can't be a part of this. Once you idealize and then idolize community, you're lost already. Because you're no longer bearing you're no longer bearing the fruit of loving one another. You're bearing the fruit, the evil fruit, of manipulating and using one another, and the church withers and dies. We here at Christ Covenant we wrestle and rage against this. It's difficult. People will wrong you. Church won't go according to plan. We don't have that ideal person to walk with in our faith. And yet God calls us simply to love one another. So take a deep breath. Let me ask you, what type of community are you looking for? We are looking for a community that loves one another. What does that mean? Again, it's to help each other, aid one another to love Jesus and to love all the things that Jesus loves. Anything less, you are chipping away at the word love and at the word community at the same time. Some practical things for us as a church. Number one, Enjoy talking about spiritual things with one another. Enjoy talking about spiritual things with one another. Be open about your life and the struggles that you have. Be honest. It's okay. Enjoy talking about your journey with Jesus and questions you still have about Jesus. Enjoy talking about your struggles with him. On the other hand, be that person who's able to ask those questions and enjoys listening to that conversation. I know some of you. I know all of you, I should say it this way. There are times when we'll start having a spiritual conversation and all of a sudden a non-sequitur comes up. So how's the weather? And all of a sudden we're just gone sh- in another direction. Right? And you don't know that I know what you're doing, but I know what you're doing. <laughs> And you know what you're doing. But enjoy talking about spiritual things. And enjoy having no answers. Be comfortable with that. And when, G- when someone says to you, the only answer we have is to remain in Jesus and walk with Him, be joyful that having Jesus really is the only answer that we need. Whether or not things in this life are are put in order, Jesus is with us. Number two, to love one another is bear one another in their sins. We're not legalistic here. You are not allowed to tell anyone, their timeline of how they are to grow in Jesus. You are not allowed to do that. You are not allowed to say to someone, why why haven't you matured yet? It's been three years. You are not allowed to do that. They might have matured in different ways that you don't see. You are not allowed to judge the journey that God has given to to, 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 to each person. You are to love them and walk with them. You are to be, be a forgiving community. A forgiving community. Yesterday we had a, um, uh, a special meeting for married couples. We had a husbands break up together and the wives break up together. And they just took time sharing about their, their marriage struggles and wrestlings with all that. And you hear about wrongs, you hear about sins, you hear about difficulties. You forgive. Wives forgive husbands, husbands forgive wives. The community itself loves one another to, to help these marriage <clears throat> to help these marriages to, to grow. You yourself, you'll be wronged by someone in this church. Don't idealize this community to think that I should never be wronged. I should never be sinned against. I should never have worries. Think of this. When I am sinned against, just as Jesus was sinned against, I will love and forgive. And at times, I will cover over those sins by just giving them to Jesus and say, this person I just need to forgive them in my heart. I don't need to talk with them. I need to forgive them in my heart and keep loving them. The greatest thing that Jesus wants is this loving community. We go to John 17. In John 17, Jesus' high priestly prayer, and and, and some of you guys have been with me for 12 years, so you understand where I'm going with this, is Jesus' prayer is that, that the church may may be one so that the world may know that Jesus sent his son. And and I love this passage. Why do I love this passage? Because evangelism, the heart of evangelism, the heart of sharing Jesus, is not you one-on-one going sharing Jesus with with other people. That is important. But the crux of evangelism is a community that loves one another and exudes Christ and love and forgiveness of one another. People are attracted or repelled by that. Those who who want Jesus are attracted like honey to flies or flies to honey. Those who don't want anything to do with Jesus walk away. But there's nothing in between. My prayer for this community and for us, our church, our community groups, even at Emory or the, the ministry you have there, is that when people see you together, they see your speech. They see how you act towards one another, how you sacrifice towards one another, that their heads will spin and go crazy going, what is this? This type of Talking about Jesus and love for one. What, what is this? This is nothing I've just ever seen before. And when Christians walk in this room and watch mm-hmm. us interact. Sorry. And watch us interact, they'll say, Jesus lives here. Jesus. So love one another. Talk about spiritual things. Be uncomfortable here and there. But allow the Lord to minister to you in that uncomfortableness that you may grow in the Lord. Lastly, just as a pastor, Mm -hmm. And sort of pragmatically, you know, I have sort of my own way of measuring things. And, and, and I'm not being legalistic about it in terms of like, uh, well, if we don't do this amount of things, then we're not growing as a church. But I like to see fruit of this loving one another. And to me, seeing this fruit is not so much loving one another when we're at church together. It's not so much when we have community groups and we're together. It's not so much retreats and we're together. I love to hear stories when you're just meeting up. It's not a church event. You're just meeting up with someone, having coffee, or you're just having lunch together. And you just naturally, by God's grace, talk about God. Share prayer requests and just pray together. Share your love for God and love for the community. (coughs) To be able to look around this room and just simply say, these are the people that God's placed in my life who I will love. For I want to see more of Jesus in this room. And if I love them and help them to love everyone else, we'll see more of Jesus. And may that be the joy that you have. Jesus Christ died for us on the cross, not simply for yourself, but in order to engraft you into a community of believers where each of you can use your gift, showing love to one another laying down your life for one another that he may be seen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and your mercy. We confess to you, Lord, that um, legalism is is a big thing in our lives. We're legalistic about our own self. We judge our own faith by how well we're doing in X, Y, and Z, and we get discouraged. And we use that same measure to judge other people. And in so doing, we discourage them and discourage me and discourage everyone. But Lord, it does get worse than that, does it not? We've we've become legalistic about community. Of what it should look like in our own eyes. And instead of seeing people as they are, just sinners who've been saved by grace, who who are walking by faith, we attempt to manipulate them, Lord God. Use them, Lord, to feel better about ourselves. But Lord, you call us simply to love. teach us to do that teach us to have spiritual conversations teach us to forgive one another and teach us Lord to to bear with one another cover over a multitude of sins when necessary and Lord as we do so please may you manifest yourself in us Our desire is that when any person steps into our realm of people, that they will be attracted either by the scent of Christ or, yes, even repulsed by that same scent. But, Lord, either way may they see you. Thank you for our church. Thank you for the many blessings you have given us.